Yeah. All right, let me see myself. All right, that's it. Yeah. BT Tales from a Gemini. We're just going to get started with a guest who has who needs no introduction and who's going out of his way to do this for me. So let's bring him in, Wyatt. Right now, we have the Texas Tornado himself, Mr. Colin Edwards. Wyatt, bring him in. I know he's ready. And I got to tell people what he's going through to do this for me. <laughs> hey, what's up, Colin? Colin, how you doing, buddy? Hello, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Hey, first of all, man, listen, I'm going to tell the people right now, I'm going to go behind the fourth wall and tell people, this man has literally done, to do this for me right now, what he's going through needs to be applauded. For one, I should always start these off by apologizing to every MotoGP racer that I've encountered in the paddock over the years because I know how annoying I am. But in, in my defense, Colin, it's, it's genuine. I know I act like a 12-year-old girl in 1964 who saw the Beatles for the first time, but it's always been genuine. It's always <laughs> been like, oh, my God, I'm on a, I'm on a GP racer. And it was all, it's always been genuine. And, and today, what people don't realize is I didn't know. Like, I heard I had Colin on the show. I was excited. And he had to deal with a water main break in his house in rural Texas. So he's trying yep. to get that. And he's got me calling going, hey, man, you said you were going to do my show. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm texting him. And I'm calling, leaving messages. And I'm like, man, come on, you promised. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more annoying than someone trying to get you to do something for free. And they're constantly annoying you. So first of all, let me apologize for that. And I want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the show, buddy. How you doing? Oh, good, man. Just putting some uh, put some studs in this cylinder. Dang, I've, I've turned into full moto dad with uh, with Hayes. So, yeah, I, I went from a leg over rider to a dang full time mechanic. And honestly, and what you're doing now, I think. And I'm going to say it right now, that's the reason why people had a connection with you that they didn't have with any other rider. And I mean, any other rider. Don't get me wrong. They loved Rossi as well. They should, and they loved their other riders. But it was you who people connected with. I mean, around the globe, not just because you were an American rider. It's because you were just one of those guys who you could see. Hey, man, I'm gonna go have a beer with this guy. And you go, yeah, let's have a beer. And you would sit and talk to him like, yeah. <laughs> Are you day drinking? Are you <laughs> <All right. laughs> Got to pass the time somehow. <laughs> And that's why people love you, man, because you just you're on that level to where people just feel like they can come up to you and say, hey, man, and give you, a, you know, like a tap on the shoulder and and say, hey, let's, let's talk a couple of stories. And and that's why people love you, man. I mean, it from the bottom of my heart. So I, I appreciate you coming. And that's why we connected, because when you said you had a water main break. In your house, he goes, man, living in rural Texas. And I go, I know that feeling. I lived in Texas, and I grew up in Oklahoma, but I know about the rural living because I used to go to Texas every summer to my great-granddad's house outside of Paris. It was in Wolf City, and yep. no indoor plumbing. And I know all about that, buddy. Yeah, well, I mean, we got – it's just the, whole, the house was built – the plumbing and everything was built years ago. We, we just remodeled and basically built a completely new house. But – some of the plumbing is pretty shallow and we had, we had a delivery yesterday and the guys kind of hit the, hit the shallow area. And so the, the, the main broke and it was like, Oh hell, this is not what I wanted to do today, but you just got to do it. You know, it is what it is. 
I swear to God, like, I, I felt so bad when Alan hit me up. He goes, hey, man, did you square everything away with Colin? I go, man, you know, I, I called and text. I don't I don't understand. And then you called me back and said, had a water main breaker. Oh, man, now, now I feel like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's so, all good. We'll make it happen. But you know what, man? I, I was looking through your stuff, and we all know the MotoGP and, and the classic second race at Emola that everyone talks about that I still think, I don't care what you say, that you still have that look in your eye like, yeah, I did that shit. <laughs> but it's to me, it, that people don't realize, is that you won the eight-hour Suzuka three times. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, I'm, man, honestly, I got so many good me good memories in motorcycle racing. It's uh, it's not even funny. So, I mean, we could, uh, you know, Emily 2002 was probably one of the, the real highlights. Um but the eight hours, my teammates that I had then, uh, you know, with Haga and Valentino and Cato, and it, it was uh, it was three good races there as well. Please tell me a Noriyuga Haga story because it doesn't have to be it's, it doesn't have to be censored either. Because for some reason, everybody connected with Haga. I mean, I love I love Ben. I love Ben Spees to death. Love you guys to death. But man, it was something about Haga. You just everybody loved Haga. So you got to tell me a Haga story. Oh God, I have too many. Um, <laughs> honestly, and, and not many of them are that great. <laughs> oh, no. Well, tell it then. That's the good stuff. I want to hear the good um, stuff. No, I mean honestly, he uh, such a genuine good dude. I love Noriyuki. We, uh, you know, it was kind of a weird thing because he took my ride at Yamaha. Uh, let's say '98. Uh, so I went over to Honda. And there, I mean, there was no bad blood. I didn't know the guy. Uh, obviously, I knew him from from the eight hour. You know, we did in '96. I mean, it was well deserved to, to get the ride. Um, but yeah, I was kind of struggling for a bit. I got injured in '97. Didn't race the whole year, so I wasn't there to be looked at. Luckily, the Honda thing came over. Um, but yeah, Noriyuki, he's awesome. I mean, he's just a good dude. I mean, he's crazy. <laughs> uh, he's crazy on the track, and he's a little bit crazy off the track. But uh, yeah, he's a good good guy. Well, all you guys are crazy, man. But it was it was Haga that I mean, I just remember him making for some reason when Ben when Ben Speeds raced, he was always serious and Haga made him smile doing something. And that was the first time you see Ben break that break that wall. And it was Haga that made him do it. And I was like, there's something to this Haga dude. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, just super genuine. I mean, he was I don't think I ever saw Noriyuki in a bad mood I mean I don't think he ever got in a bad mood to be honest with you he was he always had a smile on his face you could see he'd be a bit disgruntled with with results if, if he didn't get what he wanted mm -hmm. but apart from that he was he was always in a good mood you know what I was it was fine I was waiting on you and waiting on a call from you and I swear to God I was, I was scrolling through my Instagram and I mean it's from the bottom of my heart I, I was on his Instagram uh page and it said had a picture of you and it said is he the greatest MotoGP rider not to win a race. And what do you think? Well, hell, I don't know. Um, be, I'll be honest. I, I, I mean, you guys are so, you're so, you know, nice and demure about it. But, I mean, do you really think so? Because, you know, you were the second rider on, on a great team. Of course, they had, you know, Rossi and Navy's a man. But do you really think that you were probably the, the best rider not to win? Hell, I don't know, man. That's hard to say. I, I uh, I don't regret anything ever. Uh, you know, um, there were a couple races that I probably should have won. Oh, um, for Qatar, uh, you know, Sete was kind of fighting for the championship. I finished second there. 
uh, Aston, obviously 2006. There was a couple, couple, couple races that I felt like I probably should have won, but there was, there was something, you know, it was, it was, there was something that uh, they got in the way. I know it's early and I know it's early in this, in, in this broadcast, whatever, but I mean, when you, when you look back on it, and it's a great career. What you've done, what you've accomplished is a great career. Like I said, I didn't realize you won that Suzuka three times, which is amazing. And I didn't realize you were partners on a team that won the, the Michelin Race of uh, Nation Cup Championship. You had Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon. Yeah, yeah. What was, what was yeah. it like to race with NASCAR guys? What did you learn from them? Even though Jimmy was a, a rookie that year, I think, what did you learn from those guys? Well, what I learned is that the, me and Jimmy Johnson used to motocross together back in the day. So, I mean, they, they kind of had a relationship with him already. Uh, but what I learned is when you go be teammates with those guys, don't lose. Because I was the only one that didn't lose. <laughs> I won, I won every, every race I got put in that weekend, I won. Yeah. And uh, it all came down. I think, I don't know if it was Jimmy or Jeff that, that we got to the final. One of them won. One of them lost. And then I was the last one to go. And they were like, bro, it's all on your shoulders. I was like, well, I hadn't lost yet. So I can't see why I'm going to start. So <laughs> it, uh, it all worked out. Now, why'd they put it on your shoulders? You're the motorcycle guy. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Because the, they, they, they were in like rally spec type cars. And we were in like these two-wheel drive buggy things. Um, but all the motorcycle guys were in these, these, these buggies. And they were pretty quick, actually. And a lot of fun. So... I don't know. It just like they were the cream of the, the crop. They had the good stuff. And then, you know, like I said, one of them won, one of them lost in the final. And then I was just happened to be the last one to go. And I can't remember if it was Melandry I was going up against or I can't remember. But yeah, they, they, yeah, I ended up kicking their ass anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get tempted to go like NASCAR or, or maybe even possible? I mean, you look at Jimmy now which I give him props. He's trying to race IndyCar now, which is a, he could easily walk away. He's a made man, and he's trying to do something new and a new discipline. I got to give him credit. Were you ever tempted to go for uh, four wheels? Not really. No, I mean, I never really had the right offer. I uh, had a couple little things, but nothing that, nothing that would make me that I was excited about, let's say. You know, it was, it was never, it was like, oh, come try this, or let's go try that, but uh, now the the only race that I've ever done in my entire life that I wish I would have had four wheels uh, was in 2013. We did the Baja 1000, oh, and there dream. was there was six of us, and it would have been freaking awesome to have four wheels. But our dumbasses did it on two, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a struggle. Um, and because of my dumbass, we had to enter the pro class, which none of us are pro dirt bike riders. Uh, <laughs> We didn't have to. We just thought it would be more legit, you know, with 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 that. So we ended up, we ended up finishing fourth. So it was good. You got fourth in in a in a Baja one thousand, just just messing around. Yeah, the four fifty Pro class. We were on a you know a WR four fifty Yamaha pre stock. I mean, that place is just about survival, you know. Just just keep keep the machine moving. Were you were you ever tempted to do the Dakar? ever oh like, hell no but i got one of my buddies that talked me into all this shit the, at boot camp he's uh he's english fella from from uh whitley bay in england yeah. and he he uh he's got the whole tower and everything to put on this old wr he wants to go do the test run and try out and 
get his points and he wants to do the deck card. And I'm like, bro, you're like 52. Like, I think time has passed. Hey, man, you got, you, <laughs> hey, you, don't have to, you ain't got to say that. I'm 52 also, so you ain't got to say that, Colin. That hurts my feelings, bro. Because I, I live life limitless. So hey, you it say, ain't hey, nothing against you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying it hurts my feelings, man. Because I live like you guys. I'm, the reason, the only reason I still, I ride a bicycle, I do everything like you guys. Because once I, I'm a Gemini. That's why it's called Tales from a Gemini. So when I get into something, I get into something. And so oh. when, when, I, when I got back into motorcycles, you know, I, I, I just, I gravitate toward it so when gp came to indianapolis that's why i was like a kid in a candy shop i was like all over the riders and everything and so and it's never passed since then since i got back in it's never passed it's just keeps getting worse you know like the addiction keeps getting worse and now yeah. that i'm talking to you it's even worse it's not even a word <laughs> but it's worse worse so in, so in the back of my mind i fan matter of fact today I posted a picture of the Dakar, uh, a video of the Dakar, and that's what I live for. Like, I want to look like you guys. That's the reason I rode my bike 46 miles yesterday. I want to look like you guys. Because you guys, you, Ruben Zaus, who never smiles, by the way, you and Ruben Zaus and Bayless and Corser, you guys still look like you could still give me at least 10 good laps, like a good sprint race. Yeah, I, for sure. But, I mean, you know, we're... Oh, we lived it, you know. I mean, I, I, I still weigh the exact same as I did when I retired in fourteen. I, I mean, I'm just. Do I go to the gym every day? No. Do I lift bags of feed for the cows? Absolutely, every day. Hay bales. I mean, I'm I'm just doing stuff. So it it's uh, yeah. I mean, I probably got ten good laps in me. I'd say. But, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's right there is what I remember about you because you you were leaving when the new era was coming. You're kind of like in a way, the Ricky Michael era. Uh, uh, yeah, Ricky Carmichael. Sorry, Ricky Carmichael era came and GP that is, and you were the old era. Where like you know you guys correct me if I'm wrong because I'm just I'm I'll, I'll say it right now. I always say it in every podcast. I'm a wannabe. I'm the out, I'm like Toby Tyler. I'm the kid on the outside looking at the circus, wanting to be in the circus. So on the outside looking in, you guys were the last of the. Hey, let's go out and party. Let's do this and that. Okay, we got a race in about five hours, guys. Let's, let's get it together. Where and then the new era came in, where where they they train and they go to the gym and they say the right things and they're eating well. Like, oh, uh, I'm plant based diet now. Where you're like, hey man, let's get a burger and a beer and let's go do this, son of a bitch. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're pretty accurate. I don't know how you got all your information, but you're pretty accurate. <laughs> and that's that's about right, you know. And and I'm dealing with it now with. Uh, with Hayes, my son, and, you know, I talked to him a lot about, it, and, and I've, I've suggested in a roundabout way that basically, yeah, we were kind of the end of that era of, you know, party, if you want to go out and, and just as long as your brain's right, you can make it happen. Um, but, the, but there's so many guys now that are on this program, you know, be it, be it whatever plant-based or protein or whatever the hell it is. They have so many different ones. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, at his age, he's 15, and, and and the old style of just screw it, give me a motorcycle, I'll go ride, That I don't think that works like like it used to. Yeah, I always, and I wanted to ask you this, it's kind of off-key, off but it's, I, I wanted to go, like, do you ever go to, like, the Garrett Gerloff and go, you kids are pusses, we used to race two races in a day, and now you do one, and then you maybe do a sprint race, oh, poor baby, I mean, do you ever, you ever give those guys a little crap sometimes, and tell them how, how really. the old days used to be? Not, not really, it's a different era, I mean, you know, that was the thing, I loved the two races in a day, it was, it was awesome, because, 
you never really knew how your bike was going to react until you got in a race situation. Yeah. So, and it was, you know, if you won the first race, it'd be like, great. Okay. I won the first race, but what can we do to make the bike better? Cause I know everybody else that was behind me is going to fix their bike to make it go better. You know, and that's generally how it was. Um, and then if you had a shit race, the first race, you had time to figure out, it's like, I know exactly what's wrong with it. We're too low in the front. We need to do this, fix that. So you always had an opportunity to kind of fix the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one race, I mean, you kind of roll the dice and hope you got everything as good as you want it. Weather might be 10 degrees different, a little more humidity in the air. And the next thing you know, your shit's all jacked up. So, um, but that, that's, that's, that's motorcycle racing. Okay. How many sips of uh, champagne did you do after race one, if you won, between race two? Did you even like take a sip or you go, no, I can't do that? I mean, did you ever like take yeah. maybe one or two? No, I, actually, I don't think I ever took a sip uh, after the first race. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I mean, I, you know me as a funny go, you know, lucky, have fun guy. But when it was when it was time for business, it was I mean, it was it was business day. Yeah, there was no real jacking around on business day. You know, right. you uh, you had a lot of sponsors and a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of a lot of eyes on you. So you, you when it was when it was time for business, that was it. OK, well, and the OK, back to your story. I know where you're going with this stuff. Because I don't know how many times that we get blitzed on Sunday and just have a good old party, you know, races are over. And then we turn around and test on Monday at the same track. Oh. And you're crawling your ass out of bed, wiping shit all over your eyes and trying to get your bearings. Hell, I don't know how many times I went out third lap, break the lap record. And it's like, why didn't I do that shit Saturday night? <laughs> true story i think it's because you have to overcompensate your focus you know what i mean i mean it's like you know you don't feel well the head's hurting but hey let's just get this over with so yeah. i can go back to whatever and i think that i I'm, this is me personally i think that's the reason i mean i don't know how many times i heard dennis rodman going to shoot around being hung over but that game time comes and you have to overly focus like, all right to show that i can do it you know what i mean yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I never even tried it. I never even tried it. Uh, I was always a good boy on Saturday, but uh, after looking back, I'm like, fuck, I should have tried it at least once, you know, just to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of sponsors and everything in the happy go lucky different era. And I know it was fun, but was there ever a time when you go, man, you know what? I probably shouldn't have said that or probably shouldn't have did that looking back on it because you know when you're in it you don't see it and then you know time gives us perspective so was there ever a time where you go man i probably shouldn't have did that or oh i you know i kind of regret i said that even though i said it and i'll stand on it but there's a part of you that goes i probably shouldn't have said that yeah i think you know it's easy for somebody like me i'm like perfect target because i basically just say I say what's on my brain, you know? Oh, yeah, and I, yeah I, that's why I asked that because yeah, I, you're, I, yeah. I just, I just genuinely talk and try to add a bit of humor to it. Um, it but it's so easy to take anything I say, if I'm just being me right. to take it out of context and put it in a different area where it fits the narrative uh, to make me look like a bad guy. I mean, it's super easy to do that. That's because I speak freely uh whereas now shit i I hardly ever get on twitter anymore because you can't 
you can't speak freely anymore. You can't say anything that's against the narrative. You can't, you simply can't talk. Somebody's going to tear you down. So I just hang out with Hayes and let, watch him <laughs> pop wheelies and I, re, I rebuild bikes so that I, I, I don't have to deal with any of that shit anymore. Well, but, you know, the thing about, I mean, I have the luxury of going, hey, man, I'm, you know, I, I'm a comic. That's what I do, blah, blah, You know, and it helps me if I'm, you know, asking a girl out for a date and she goes, no, I go, I was just joking, damn. You know, <laughs> I can I can hide behind that. Where, you know, where you, like I said, you're a public eye, you have sponsors, and I know how it is. If you're, like, I, I saw you one time at a public function. I don't forget where it was. And, and, and you didn't mean it. And I was like, oh, man, this is not going to play well in the future. And I know you didn't mean it. And you were going for a joke. But I think and, and, it, and this goes back to why you were a fan favorite. I think they were t- talking to you about, um, uh, I think, Nikki and Ben. And you go, I think those guys are gay. i never seen them with a, a woman. You know what I mean? And, and, <laughs> and it was a joke. And I laughed. But I go, you know what? If you look at it now, you know, that would come oh, and God. burn you. If you ran for office, that would come back and burn you. But at the time, and I got it, it was funny because you know what? It was true. And the reason why, to me, that made me go, that's why this guy's a fan favorite. Not because it was funny. Yes, it was. And it was not even homophobic or whatever. It's just a funny statement. But Nikki was, and Ben was, like I said, they're, they're just, you know, straight lacing. You know, hey, um, hey, I remember talking to Ben after the GP. He got a podium. Hey, Ben, good job. Thanks. And that was it. Oh, oh no, it's Ben. This is Ben. My impression of Ben during GP. Hey, thanks. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's my Ben space. That's my Ben space. So, 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 you know, so, like, those guys were all, you know, business. And you, and you said it best in that same statement. You were like, hey, I went out with my wife on a date at 19 or 18 or 19. I think we went to the prom, whatever. You went out on a date with your wife. I've always had my wife with me. And it's like, don't get me wrong, motorcycle racing was important to you, but you kind of had a life out of it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we did good. We got a test tomorrow. Great. Let me see what the black does. Okay. Okay. Is it over? This part's over, right, guys? It's over, right? Okay. Now I'm going to be my wife and I'm going to enjoy stuff. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fairly accurate. Yeah. I mean, my it was I took my wife out for her 17th birthday is, is what, where you're going with that but uh, she's always been my best friend she's always been there for me uh, but you're absolutely right you but at the same time she was on that journey with me the whole time in Europe I mean she was with me all the time so if I was good or bad or in bad spirits or good spirits I mean she was she had to put up with all of it you know when I was an asshole she was she's still there you know <laughs> if I won and I was great she's still there so um, and I, I think it was, I don't think it's so much separated, uh, like you might've described it as, and I got to go do this. We just did it together. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, racing was our life. Uh, when we weren't racing, we were climbing mountains or playing golf or, you know, we, we were, we were always doing something uh, together. So it, uh, it's just kind of our life together and you can just add motorcycles as part of it. How many years, how many years have you guys been together? Oh hell! So yeah, it's uh, what thirty years now. Wow! Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Years. How'd you guys meet? High school. Yeah, she just—I uh, don't know. She had long hair down to her ass, and <laughs> and right below that hair was this really cute ass. <laughs> so, and I don't know. She used to look, you know, we'd pass each other in the hall, and I'd look back at her, and then she looked back at me, and we'd catch each other, and I was like, oh shit. And, one of her best friends was like, hey, who? Well, I need to set you up to somebody. Who do you want to go out with? I'm like, I want to go out with your best friend because she's a girl hot. 
Um, so yeah, that's how it all kind of started. So did you guys go out in like a Camaro with eight, with an eight track of Van Halen playing and and Dude, <laughs> go to drive your movie? Pre- you're pretty, you're pretty close. She had an RX seven, and the only tape in the tape deck was GNR Guns and Roses Lights, and she would play that <laughs> shit over and over again. So that was people. that was at least eighty. That was, don't tell me, don't. That was at least eighty seven, eighty eight. The car was, but that was in 91, 92-ish when, when we got together in 91. Oh, man, I remember though. You know what my RX-7 story was? I had just gotten third place at a wrestling tournament, and I was feeling myself. And I went out with this girl, and we were making out, which was big time for me because I'm the same person as I was in high school, but just more dorkier. <laughs> so I was making out with this girl, and I thought this was the night. And so I put my hand on her leg and was moving up, and she, she literally stopped me, and she goes, No! And I, <laughs> Not turned ba- today. and I turned back in my chair. She dropped me off my school bus. I haven't seen her since 1986. And, that, and, that, and, and, and that's the story of my love life, Colin. And that's why I'm talking to you now, buddy. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Not today. <laughs> and that's my RX-7 story. <laughs> so, so, to change, so okay, okay, now, and the great thing about that is I remember you were, you were a champion in motocross and the great thing about your story says you took time off to just basically, I'm going to paraphrase, to live life, and then you came back to it around, I guess, your high school years, I guess, and then you got into road racing, and the rest is history. So I love that story, that how you took a break to just live life, basically. To be a teenager is what it said. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, honestly, I, everything, man, I still think for most of us, everything happens for a reason. Um when I was Hayes' age at 14, he's 15, but when I was 14, I was factory Yamaha. I was right behind Damon Bradshaw. I mean, I was getting three free bikes a year. You know, I was their next kid that they were grooming. Um, and I just got burned out. I've been doing it since I was three. And I was small. I was 80 pounds, racing against a bunch of 110-pound kids. Um, and I just got burned out. And, and you know, the, the deal was go to school, come home, and it was – it was ride. A buddy would pick me up, go ride for two, three hours, come home, wash the bike, wash the gear, clean the filter, get some dinner if you could, do homework. You had to do your homework. So it was like a full-time freaking job to keep this thing going. And so when I quit anyways, uh, I took, yeah, about a year and a half, two years of playing tennis, chasing girls and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, And then kind of you know, I mean, my balls dropped and I kind of, you know, started growing a bit. And then, and then I started thinking, I'm like, man, I got to figure out a way to get some money because I'm about to be, and I, I was actually out of the house at like four, 15. My stepmom and I did not get along. Uh, so I, I moved in with some friends for probably that point on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, Man, I got to figure out how to make some money. Uh, and then my dad, I think he 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 bought, uh, he was in the used car business, and he brought home an FZR 1000, 1988 model uh, with a Yoshimura pipe on it, loud as hell. But he got it on a trade-in. He's like, we're going to fix it up. Plastic was all broke, so we fixed it all up. Next thing you know, I'm getting my license on that thing at like 16 and a half years old. I had to take a little t- two-week course. I went and got my license, and I was driving around at FCR 1000 uh, at 16. So, 
that's where that bug kind of started. And then my dad's like, let's just go watch the races. And uh, we went up and watched. And one of the guys that used to kick his ass in motocross, he's out there winning races. So I thought, well, man, he can do it. I can do it. <laughs> that's just kind of how it all materialized, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history from that point. And that Texas kicked in. You go, man, that son of a bitch can do it. And I, was, I used to whip his ass. Yeah, exactly. Oh, trust me. I know how that goes, man. I bet. Is that, is that, is that your son? No, this is Van Martin. He's kind of our head. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> he didn't really, <laughs> he's over here texting. <laughs> the new generation, the new generation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, man, yeah. you know, I, I read about that and I was like, okay, I, I, I just thought that was great how you came back to it and then you found your car. Now, does your, does your heart lie in dirt bikes or is it road racing? Because now you have the, 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 the tornado, Texas tornado camp, but you know, it's a lot of dirt racing. And I would think you would have like a, a road racing school. Also. I'm like, what, what made you go dirt instead of having a road racing school? Like, like uh, the one I went to in England, um, um, uh, uh, Haslam, I went to the Ron Haslam school in England last year or two years ago. Yeah, it's, it's, um, and you know, I mean, I, I, I look at, at somebody like Jason Pridmore. You know, yeah. the star school here. He does a really great job. I've, I've been guest instructor with him, uh, and, and and it's a really solid uh, school. You know, the mm -hmm. way that the, the, the investment side. And, and uh, this was just the way boot camp came about is this is all we did. You know, I can't go to a road race track and practice every day uh, like, like motocross guys can. Yeah. Um, and I learned from Kenny Roberts Jr. Uh, and Senior, you know, I went and stayed with them for a couple of weeks in 92. And all they did is this dirt track. And th this, this was their training. And uh, I thought, man, that's that's kind of how it happened. So we we started doing that. We came back home, bought a bunch of little XR100s, topped them up, put some slick tires on the back and started dirt tracking. And then I bought this piece of property and built a little track and a shop. And we used to come out here, honestly, and ride we get done riding, we'd shoot some guns, and we got done shooting guns, we'd drink some beer. Well, we'd probably drink beer while we are shooting guns, to be honest. That's, um, <laughs> that's why I was showing my producer. My producer, I love this guy. He's 20 years old, and here's the new generation. He's 20 years old. He doesn't know who Pearl Jam is. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you understand. Every, you understand this. Every time I come in here, it pisses me off that a 20 year old doesn't know who Pearl Jam is. And it just, but, but today when we were getting ready for the show, we, I had him, I had him, cause it, it's Ace Freely's birthday today. He's 70 years old. And Ace Freely, Kiss, Kiss changed my life. It really did. I, they're my favorite group in the whole world. So I said, do you anything about Kiss at all? Cause I'm, I was pissy. I said, do you anything about Kiss being condescending? And they, he goes, do they sing rock and roll all night? I go, yeah. How do you know rock and roll all night by Kiss, but you don't know who Pearl Jam is. Don't know Pearl Jam. I know, yeah. I know. I wanted to give him a whooping and tell him to go to his room. I really did. <laughs> I mean, he's 20, man, and it just pisses me off that, I mean, anyway. It, <laughs> but, that's the new, but that's the new generation. But I read, didn't you used to beat Kenny Roberts Jr. in dirt biking or, or in competition somewhere? You used to beat, or was it an AMA? Yeah, me and Kenny Jr., when we, we both turned pro at the same year in 92, um, and we were riding the 250 GP class at all the AMA events. And uh, yeah, he finished, he finished, I believe he finished second, what, second or third that year. I can't remember. And I, I, I had won that year. I won, I think, five in the nine races. I think he had won a couple. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we became friends, you know, that year. So when he won GP, did you go, 
did you did you did you put the same philosophy as you did when you saw the guy win in <laughs> in road race? Like, well, if this son of a bitch can win a championship in the world, yeah, shit, it's just, it's, this is gonna be a cakewalk for me. I used to it, dust it, his ass. It's uh, not really. I mean, I, 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 I did <laughs> maybe think that in the back of my head for like a moment. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, different atmosphere, yeah, you know, know. completely. But the good thing, I mean, I won the championship that year in 2000. He won the championship in 2000. It was kind of an American-dominated, you know, World Superbike, MotoGP, or whatever, 500. It was, uh, it was that was a good year. Okay, so getting to the why isn't and please help. I don't know. Underst- I don't understand, especially american road racing i remember the ama days man where it was crazy and we had the crazy talent and we had the fans and it was stacked and i just remember the the, this i think i think it was speeds who came out did a stand-up wheeling and it was just an excitement and where did it all go and will it come back will the factories come back to american road racing that's the main thing you know, I mean, it, it, it will never come back without factories. Uh, I, your, your factories dictate a lot of things. Uh, they want a lot of things. Uh, they, they want fans at the track, and they, they, can, they can make that happen. But what um, happened? What happened, though? The, the, the pot dried up. They, they basically, it, 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 was, it was not, it wasn't worth it. You know, you're not, when you're not selling enough bikes and you're not making enough money, why are you going to spend you know, six, seven, eight, ten million on a, on a, on a race team at the, and, and lose money. So they all kind of got to that point. And what was that? Oh, eight, nine, ten ish, you know, right around then. And everybody kind of pulled the plug and, and Yamaha, what just last year, year before yeah. was the last kind of the last man standing. And it's, uh, it's sad, but man, it, it's, it is what it is. I, I really don't know how to make it come back if the factories don't come back. It, it just it turns into a big club race. Honestly, it hurts. It, I'm, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It hurts my heart to watch the Daytona 200. To, is what it is. And, and props to Brandon Posh and Sean Dillon Kelly. They definitely were the cream of the crop, and I'm glad they finished the way they did. But it just hurts my heart to see the fa- I mean, to see the stands the way they are and to, and to see what it used to be. It's kind of like that old saying. It's like, man, I hate when a bitch lets herself go. And that's what it's like to me. It's like knowing what the 200 used to be. Like, it used to be the race everybody wanted. You had people flying over. I mean, props to uh, Dunlap for coming over. But, man, it's just like I hate seeing what the race is now and what it used to be. You know? I agree. I agree 100%. No, it, it, it's, a, it's a different time, diff- different era. And- it's, you know, the only series I can see kind of, uh, you know, the All Japan series, it's kind of not what it was. Uh, the Australian series has never really been that great. The, uh, but your, your, your CV, your, your Spanish little series, yes. that's kind of where everybody's going if you, if you want to make a name for yourself. Um, and even to some extent, uh, you know, Stuart Higgs running the, running the, the English stuff up the there in England, yeah. BSB. I mean, that's a good program to be honest. I, I've been to a couple of races uh, a couple of years ago, and it was, it was a really good show. Uh, honestly, I went there. Yeah, I went there a couple of years ago also. And and now that you mention it, BSB is tailor made for 1998 Colin Edwards. Man, you <laughs> would honestly. 
you would have been a bigger star than you are now because they would have loved you because that that was like a that was a fight on two wheels literally back in the day before everything got all politically correct that was a, those tracks are narrow and you know you gave no inches and I'm sure there was some you know some some uh, knockdown dragouts when people weren't watching Th that series was made do you ever think like I wish I would have raced in that is that one of the series you wish you would have raced in not really, to be honest. <laughs> really, I can I, I can really. see I can see you at Cadwell going over that jump, man. You yeah. would have killed it, man. Honestly, I, I know most of those tracks. I haven't been around all of those tracks, um, but they're, you know, it's it's the same as when you leave the U.S. and you go over to Europe. Uh, you know, you just know in the back of your mind. You know, when you're racing Loudon or when you're racing Brainerd, like there's a couple corners. Like you absolutely cannot crash here. If you crash here, you might die. So just this is a no-go zone. We're not gonna push it at this corner. We're gonna push everywhere else. Yeah. Um, and then once you go to Europe, and when you're there for an extended period of time, uh, you can push in every corner as hard as you want, crash in any corner as fast as you want to go. And unless you're knocked around or beat up by other bikes or flipping through the gravel trap, chances are you're probably gonna, you're not gonna hit anything, you know? So um, once you get, let's say spoiled, uh, you get spoiled with that, then your brain goes into not survival mode, it goes into let's push and haul ass everywhere mode. Uh, it's hard to come back from that and go to a, a, a sketchy track and it, it does nothing more but scare the shit out of you instead yeah. of like, well, I just can't push here. Don't push there. Like the old mentality. So once you've experienced all the luxuries of all these awesome tracks, it's hard to come back. It was kind of like Marvin Hagler said, you know what? Once you become the champion it, and sleeping in silk sheets, it's hard to get up at five in the morning and do some road work and go in that gym and get punched in the face. Right. I mean, and that's the way I, 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 I think you're what you're trying to say yeah yeah so, pretty much yeah so were there, were there ever any tracks i mean since we're on it were there any tracks that scared you where you go oh shit i'm going to i'm going say for instance say i'm going to magello uh turns three. Oh shit i do not want to deal with this i mean were there ever any tracks that you just go oh boy not honestly there's there's not one track i can remember you know i mean okay you would say like brands you know brands hatch had some walls that were a little bit close and if you <clears throat> if you kind of had an inside high side and kind of rode the bike you might hit an inside wall but you kind of you 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 played the cards you know what i'm saying and mm -hmm. and of any tracks that we went to you could say somewhere like brands was probably not the safest but it had plenty of relief in areas where you know, a lot of the passing was going to go on. So it, right. it had, it had its own safety mechanism kind of built into it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of remiss since we're on that uh, subject in a way, but it is there and you could, you could not answer it, which I would totally understand, but it's there. It's like an Aston has happened to you. And of course it happened in Sepang. And when you're around that, the death on a track. And like I said, you could skip this if you want. I totally understand, but it's there. And I feel like I have to ask, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but it's like, you know, especially in, in Topang and you were involved in that. Yeah. Like, how do you get over that mentally? You know? Cause I mean, you, you were, know, in, you know, it's weird. It's weird because I got my, I got my ride, um, in 93 mm -hmm. on Vance and Hines 
solely pretty much because Larry Schwartzback was killed at, at Mid-Ohio in 92. Um, and Vance and Hines were without a rider, uh, which I was already with Yamaha riding the 250 GP. That year I won the championship, so I was supposed to be moving up anyways. But Larry Schwartzback was their rider. And uh, so I experienced that. Um, and then we had a really good buddy. You know, I mean, if you're into motorcycles, you're going to experience this at some point or another or another. So really good friend passed away out in the forest, hit a tree. Um, Yasutomo and the guy in 96, uh, I sat there. He was right in front of me. I sat there and watched the bike cartwheel uh, laying right on his chest. And I knew it. I mean, I knew it from the second I saw the crash that, that it was over. Um, and then, you know, you get into GP and, and you know, it's uh, – it happens. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens. And then, then uh, with Simoncelli, I mean, that was pretty tough. I'm not going to lie to you. It was such a, you know, and I, I try to explain this, the three characters that came together, you know, me and Simoncelli and Valentino in that wreck and, and that one of us didn't survive. Um, but it, it uh, it's racing. And I don't really, uh, uh, do you feel bad that it happened? Yeah. Was there anything you could do about it? No. So, you know, and this is a conversation about Valentino because he, we were both kind of messed up a little bit for, you know, a day or two. And he was like, man, I don't feel like I could have done anything different. I, I don't, I, 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 I didn't see him. And I was like, well, I mean, we're all in the same boat, you know? Yeah. Um, so no, it, it's racing. It sucks. It's sad. Uh, it's, it's something that you don't ever want to go through, to be honest with you. Um, but you have to, you know, I mean, look at, uh, what was that race in Austria last year? Hell, oh we my lost, God. We could have lost the whole Yamaha team in one crash. So yes, you know, this is motorcycle racing. If you're yeah. around it long enough, it's going to happen. You're going to see it. You're going to witness it. I remember that night, man. And I didn't want to bring it up. I mean, look, I, I just remember that night I was in Colorado when that happened. And God damn it, man! I that shook me up for a couple for a little bit, you know. And and then I remember, and this is the part about you that I think separated you from everybody else was at the NDGP. People don't realize earlier that day they raced the Red Bull Rookies Cup, and I think it was right named Peter Lentz um, yeah. lost his life, and that affected you, and you couldn't finish the race. And man, I had so much more respect. And don't get me wrong, everybody in a paddock, they you know they. We, we mask, everybody masks stuff how they mask things. Some people can act like it doesn't affect them when it does. I just remember, you know, I remember watching uh, 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 Melandry when, uh, when uh, uh, Tamazawa uh, perished. You know, he, uh, he showed emotion. But I just remember you going, you know, I c just couldn't get over Peter Lentz. You know, I think, I, think he, he had, I think you had mentored him or, or you knew the kid at least. And you just couldn't yeah. do it. And man, and now, just, Peter, Peter I knew very well, yeah. And as far as mentoring, yeah, I mean, honestly, he was in my motorhome about, 20 minutes before that crash that that uh so i mean you know him and his dad they were always asking for advice and, and direction and my dad and, and my dad loved peter and and his dad so it was tough and i mean honestly that wasn't the whole reason i didn't finish the race we were on a hard tire that just had we chose the wrong tire that that I, for some reason went okay in in practice weather was a little bit different and it was just a pile of shit and i went backwards so all that kind of combined and and it uh but yeah it was that was a tough weekend too like i said if you're around it you're you're gonna you're gonna witness it
But that's I me. Mean, but like I said, man, and I'm not even kissing your ass. It's just the truth. Is it like you're not afraid to just like you say, you tell it like it is. And you say your emotions, and like now, man, you you know you pay the price now if you say something that's not with the status quo, or it comes across. And I think a text or whatever doesn't have. I mean, I I remember just one time, you know, texting a girlfriend saying something, thinking, ah, right, she's gonna laugh at this, and you know, so what does this mean? And oh shit, you know, I went with a woman, and you go, oh boy, here we go. It's like and, it's like, hey girl, what color panties you got on? Like I really want to know what color panties you got on. <laughs> <laughs> not, not trying to be funny I just really am curious <laughs> I, don't I don't know if it was like that I think it was well, anyway you know what I mean you're not going to get me in trouble you ain't getting me in trouble I don't want you to sleep on the couch because of me I don't want, I don't want your wife seeing your son going dad why are you on the couch Goddamn BT and you know <laughs> I don't want you blaming me, man. You know. So now we go to now nowadays. You watch racing nowadays, and and it's and what rider reminds them reminds you of you if, if there is one that reminds you of you on the track. Oh hell, um, honestly, on track, a little bit of style, and definitely the kind of the neck out. I would say Alex Renz kind of. His body position on the bike um, he is is there are some key points that are, are similar to to my riding style. Really, mm -hmm. I would, I, honestly, and I think because you're you're uh, you got Australian in you, I would think you would have said uh, uh, Jack Miller for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe as far as as. Attitude attitude and 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 character wise uh, but yeah as far as style on bike uh you know uh, yeah more more wins but uh, yeah i mean as far as let's say mental attitude maybe out on the track yeah maybe more like jack i hell i don't know <laughs> okay. well, now, now do you buy into that this is the golden era of gp now this is the next golden era uh I hope so. And honestly, you know, the, the thing I love about GP right now is honestly, and you would know this, if you go back to the 60s, you know, guys were winning a race by over a minute and, yeah. and you had, you know, five guys within two minutes, you know, and that was the, the, the gap. Uh, and that's all kind of gotten a little bit closer over the years. Then you got to Mick doing Mick would win by 12 seconds, you know, and, and win everything. And then you got to Valentino and Valentino went by four or five seconds, you know, just about every other race. Right. Um, and now we're in an era to where nobody knows who the hell's going to win. I mean, it's like, I don't know who, who's going to win. Yeah. You can, you, somebody can have a good weekend, but they all have good weekends. Now they're all qualifying good there. You got 15 guys within eight tenths, you know, it's like, it's, it's crazy. So, there's so many guys on the grid that can win and that the what's helping right now is a lot of different guys are winning. Yes. Okay? yes. So when you have a recipe of a lot of guys winning, they become accustomed to that. Like, Hey, I can win. I just won last week or I won two weeks ago. Well, then you got the guy from three weeks ago saying, well, I just won three weeks ago. So you have more guys believing they can win instead of, just your Valentino or just your Biagi or just your Sete Gibernau or whatever, 
that used to show up and you knew showing up on that weekend that it was probably going to be between so-and-so and so-and-so. Those are probably going to be one of the two guys that are going to win. Nowadays, it's not like that. You just have no idea, which that's why we love watching it now. Oh, I just love watching because I love watching it. I mean, like I guess I'm a dork about it, man. That's why, like, I'm just I'm like a kid at a candy shop right now. When you when you said you ready, I literally ran. I was in my truck. I ran across the street. I ran so quick. And there was there was this young white girl coming out of uh, out of the, out of this uh, this building. She was on her phone, and the look of horror on her face when I go, Wyatt, he's ready. <laughs> and, and man, she stopped and she looked like. Oh God! This is my last day on on Earth because you got you, you had to see me. I'm bolting out of my truck, going, "Wyatt, he's ready." <laughs> and she had just looked like, "Oh no, <laughs> it's gonna happen today." <laughs> oh shit! I <laughs> you have no idea, my mom. man. It was like a stakeout. It literally was like a stakeout. I'm in my truck. Wyatt's in the studio, and I, it's, it's like a st- and I'm like waiting. I'm going strolling through Instagram, and when you said you're ready, man, I li- I like I still don't know if my window's down in my truck and it's raining <laughs> out. I mean, I bolted out of my truck, man. You would have, yeah, you would have thought I won the lottery, man. I was so damn mad. I'm such a dork at this. I'm th- but the great thing about people who really, really, really know me know, like I say, it's genuine. You know what it's I mean? It's genuine, so, yeah. Yeah. Because exactly, exactly. like, we don't understand why. When I see Colin, and he's with BT Sport, by the way, who does a tremendous job. You, Susie Perry, and Michael Laverty, right? Is it Michael? Yeah, yeah. Gavin and Neil Hodgson and all them, yeah. When Good I walk, time. when I'm when I'm in the paddock, I see it. It's almost like they see that, that look of, kind of like when, Apollo, when he knocked Rocky down, and then Rocky get back, and he goes, oh, God. And that's the look they have when they see me. Like I'm like, hey, guys. They're like, oh, God, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he made the flight over. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. Susie's always nice, and you're nice. And I think Neil Neil just avoids me altogether, which is probably the best thing you can do is just avoid me altogether. That's all good. All so, good. So I want to ask you. I, I was going to save this question for later, but I got to ask it now. In their prime, in their prime, Who's the better rider in their prime between Marquez, Rossi, Stoner, Lorenzo? In their prime. Lined up, equal bikes, their their bikes in their prime. Who's the better rider? Who wins and why? Um God, that's such a hard question. Um honestly, I d I don't. I'm not sure I can answer that, to be honest, because all of them were unbeatable when they were in their prime and, and when they when they had everything going. Um, if if I had to, if you put a gun to my head and I had to make a choice, I'd probably say Valentino. Um, but I mean, Stoner was tough. Oh uh, Stoner was tough. And then I've seen Lorenzo do some dumb shit on, on a bike that's not that good. And he just believed. You know, he just believed and and made it happen. So I don't know. That that's a tough one. Okay, well, for, okay, for people like myself who like to say who the wannabes, like who, who on the outside looking in, what do you guys see that we don't? Because Bradley Smith has no problem correcting me. Like uh, you're wrong on that all the way. I'll say something. You know, I do my little uh, MotoGP kind of for shits and giggles review, and I'll say this, and he'll go, "You are totally wrong on that." So what is it that you guys see that we don't? You know, for instance, I ask him who's the most underrated rider, and he says Alicia Spargo because for what Alicia Spargo does with that Aprilia, he for what that Aprilia does, and for what and the results he's getting. He thinks he's the best rider on the grid now. So I mean, underrated, underrated. So for you, what do you guys see that we don't? For for our for for our for the couch GP riders who are talking shit. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's a lot of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, um, it is. But no, I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a consistency part. I mean, you, you got, you got your riders that can hit it hot or cold. Um, and just clocking that, um, your consistency and kind of the guys that are always up top or always work their way up top. Um, but yeah, I think just being in the sport for so long and kind of cluing into all the little things, um, yeah, that, that might be why, yeah, Bradley would call you out, but you know, I mean, (laughs) without the couch racers, where would we be? You know, we, we wouldn't be having all these discussions. (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, it's funny because now the, the closer I get to GP, like I said, I feel like I want to apologize now. It's like, oh man, I, because somebody, what we don't understand is what the, the bike, you know, you're not getting the, the parts or, or, or what the bike, it's a shit bike. And people are like, this guy didn't really want to win. It's like, really? I don't want to win. This bike is a piece of shit. Or the tires of this bike, it's not a good. So it's the, when I, the closer I get, the more I go, oh my God, I owe these guys an apology. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there is a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't. You, you know, and, and nowadays you, you can't say the bike is a piece of shit. You can't say the tires are a piece of shit. I mean, you used to be able to say that 20 years ago. Well, Scott uh, Redding did it, and now he's in WSBK now, but Scott Redding did it. Yeah, I mean, you used to be able to, but it's so different now uh, on, on that point. You can't really sit there and call out and blame things. You just have to kind of suck it up, even though you might know a cylinder dropped off or, you know, only had three quarters of horsepower. You, you can't really come out and say you, that, that something happened. You say, the, 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 the old saying is, oh, we had an electrical problem. Everything's an electrical problem. <laughs> okay, I remember that one. Oh. Doesn't matter what goes on. If something happens to the bike, if the freaking wheel falls off the freaking bike while you're going down straight away, we had an electrical problem. <laughs> so it's it's that's just that was always the go-to okay now w- what was your greatest strength as a racer honestly i think and when you're when you hit your prime and when you when you get into that zone and marquez has gotten there and obviously all the guys you just named have gotten there and i, I can remember like it was yesterday and and oh two when you know, we did. We got new parts from Suzuka after Suzuka, and I won the last nine races. But I could actually draft by Bayless uh, the first race we went to, you know, coming back from the eight-hour with the new parts, and I could never draft them. I couldn't pass them all year. Um, and I just remember drafting by them and thinking, oh, man, your ass is mine. I mean, uh, there's just... I don't, I don't know how, how else to explain it, but I just remember that feeling of relief and confidence. And I remember getting on the line and look left and look right and just think, I'm going to rip y'all's heads off and shit in your neck. Y'all have no idea what's coming. And just to have that, that confidence, yeah, um, it kind of confidence breeds confidence, I guess um and my team could see it i was winning and and confident and knew i had the right package they knew we had the right package they knew they had the right rider and it it all just kind of but that's that's what it takes when you get to that point 
that's the confidence and that's the feeling and that's the that's what you have to have to be a, a consistent winner. Now, now, what would you think your weaknesses? I mean, you know, now that you're enough out of the sport, what do you think your weaknesses was as a rider? Um, Let, let's say you had let's say you had to go against you in your prime. Like, OK, he's going to get me here, but I can beat him here because he's blank. Yeah, I would say, you know, not not. Not my whole career, but I would say, you know, I, I got into GPs when I was 29. You know, I, I got in really late. Yeah. Um, but I would say the the first first lap, first two laps, always, you know, I could I was I don't know how many times I got pole three or four times and you know, get a start and I'd be fifth or fourth. And it's like always that first lap intensity in my later life, you know, in my later years. Uh, in Super World Superbike, I was fine, but I think that first lap, two lap intensity, I'd lose, you know, that two or three seconds, and then you're you're always trying to play catch up after that. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Now we get to the fan questions here. What's the best bike? The best bike you ever raced on, and why? Um, 2002 SB2. Uh, that that Superbike was. Can y'all hear that bike in the background? Oh, it, it it sounds like it sounds like love. <laughs> it sounds like love. Hopefully they're okay. I think they're leaving. Um, <laughs> no, I'm at boot camp, so there's guys out here riding. Um, good, that's good. What was your question? What did you just ask me? I, I, said, I said the best. Uh, I, I hear a motorcycle. <laughs> I got confused. I said, I said the best. The best bike, best bike, yeah. The best SB2. bike you ever raced, and why? <laughs> yeah, SB2. Uh, the SB1 wasn't that great, to be honest with you. It was yeah. okay. Uh, then we made they made some huge changes to the SB2, got it quite a bit weaker, um, let it absorb some of the vibrations. And, and it, uh, that SB2 was a really good bike. Uh, I really enjoyed racing that thing. And we, you know, I mean, I can't remember a race bike that I ever had like it before or since because we hardly ever touched it to be honest with you uh suspension stuff we might click here click there uh depending on if it was bumpy or not but we never drastically changed you know steering angle or offsets or any of that we found the setting on that bike that worked and but part of that is to be honest is v-twin i mean the v-twins just have a real forgiving nice easy you know power that is it the bike's not trying to tie itself in knots all the time, like four cylinders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, that was, I'd say the best bike. Okay. What's your favorite livery for the RC uh, 51? Your favorite. Livery? Uh, yeah. I mean the Castro livery, you know, what yes. was that? 2002, I guess. I mean that, yeah. that the, the stars and stripes we had at Lagoon. I like that a lot too. Everybody uh, loved that one, man. That was, that's you all yeah. the way. That's straight Texas, straight America in, in yeah. America. You couldn't beat that man. Yeah, that was that was a good. I still have that plastic. Honda sent that to me after that race. Actually, I think I carried it home, but I, I have it here at boot camp. I, I I could see you taking it and saying, telling Honda, "What are you gonna do about it?" I could see you doing that. I could see you <laughs> literally taking that apart and going, "Hey, I'm taking this." And uh, so, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> I could see. You. Yeah, no, it didn't go quite like that, but yeah, I probably. Did. <laughs> okay, favorite teammate, favorite teammate, the best. No, best teammate you've ever had. Best teammate. Best teammate, best teammate, Valentina. Yeah, and, I mean. And why was it? Why? 
it's you know we met uh we met in 2000 when we started to do the eight hour uh and going over there and testing i didn't really I, we didn't know each other before that but it was pretty quick and pretty easy that we just we matched you know i mean uh, we were easy go lucky fun um go out to dinner every night and catch lunch and you know he's got uchio there and his whole little entourage and I'm there by myself, so I just tag along with them. Um, but it was, yeah, as far as fun teammates, yes, the, that was that was some good times. Oh, man, that had to be. You know, he probably was sad to see you go because, you know, you were like the last of the era. I mean, because Danny was so quiet, and Danny was like, you almost forget he's there, you know? So you were like the last of the, the happy-go-lucky, hey, man, let's have a good time. And so when you retired, Valentina had to go, I'm the last man standing. Yeah, pretty much. And then before me, Caparossi was there, and he was a little older than me. And then when he retired, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm the old guy in the club. Well, how about um, Hopper, though? Yeah, but Hopper was there. Didn't you and Hopper, didn't you guys turn over a car in, in Magello? Didn't y'all do that? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is a true story. And it wasn't just him. It was like, I don't know, I had, uh, oh, no, it's Curtis Roberts. I don't think Hopper was involved. In, maybe Hopper was involved in that. I can't remember, but Curtis Roberts for sure. And I had a couple of my buddies from here from Texas. And, you know, Sunday night we were drinking, having a good old time, as you do. And we were supposed to get on. We got to get on the boat to Barcelona on Monday, the next the next morning. And we're all out there having a good old time. And, and somebody mentioned, hey, let's turn over Biagi's smart car. Sounded like a good idea when I heard it the first time. So we all run over there and it took about two seconds and it just went. Shoo. Well, I'm thinking Dukes of Hazard kind of shit. You know, it's just going to kind of roll on its side and to tink, to tink and nice and gentle. No, it's a square box. That son of a bitch hit down and went, bam, broke the window. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Biagi people just want to fuck with? What mm. is it? That, mean, well, there, there you go. I'm asking you the same question. No, we no, felt I'm... like that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Since you never hold anything back, was there, a, was there a rider that you just didn't get along with that you go, you know what, we're just, we're just not going to ever get along ever? I mean, I mean, everybody has. Their, I mean, everybody has their on track, and I guess after a week or whatever, okay, we're cool. But was there a ride you just go? You know what? This just ain't gonna work for us. Oh, actually, you know what? Probably, I would have to say well, we're fine now. We were fine before Aaron Slight. I mean, me and Aaron Slight were teammates on the Honda, and we came together at uh, Melbourne Loop in in Donington, like in '99, I think. Mm -hmm. And his right handlebar hit my left foot peg coming out of a corner i was out front but he's telling me i took him out i was like dude i if you see a bike there you just got to shut off you can't just run into me um so we kind of fell out after that and we were teammates but we didn't talk uh they thought i took him out i thought well you should have shut your right you should have shut it off bro i mean i was in front of you i'm not gonna sit there and pull over and let you get by me um so anyways, but no, and probably Carl Fogarty, I think, Fogarty, but he just had it out for Americans. It didn't matter if it was me, Scott Russell, uh, it didn't matter. He just had it out for, for American guys, but me and Carl are fine now too. And it always happens like that. When you're racing, everybody wants to have this little battle, but 
the reality of it is we're all friends. Oh, that man, that's great. Are you ever going to write a book? Because I honestly, I think that book would sell because man, you're such a, a great character. And it's not even a character. That's almost an insult. It's just, you are who you are. And that's what makes you authentic and people gravitate toward that. I mean, you're still yeah. a popular dude now. I mean, we still love you. They still, because you give it, like you said, like it is. I mean, with, with, that, with that great Texas draw, and it's sincere. And like I said, you're day drinking. Who does that on a Wednesday? And you're day <laughs> drinking. So, I mean, you got to have a book coming out, man. Come on. Uh, I'll do the four. I don't know. I don't I'll do the four. I don't have time to write a damn book right now. I'm too busy changing top ends and feeding cows and shit, so. I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. We'll see. Are, are you gonna do? Are, are you gonna do a maybe a Colin open up a barbecue place like like Ben had a burger at a burger place? Colin Edwards is barbecue. Oh, I, come on now, and plant based food too. I can come there. <laughs> that's that's something that's keeping me out of your camp. I'm like probably D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. probably not gonna see me in the food industry to be honest. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Before we get out of here, real quick, real quick. Most underrated rider right now in GP. Most underrated rider right now in MotoGP. Underrated. Underrated. Um, oh, shit. I, I don't know. I, I, I played the fifth. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really. really I, I think they all have their own character. You know, they're, I, I can't. I mean, when you say underrated, it's because they're not winning or they're not at the top three, you know, who's the the guy that should be in the top three. That's not. And I feel like everybody's been given that opportunity this last year and a half. I mean, if you're going to be rated and and there's going to be a day when your package is going to be right and Mm -hmm. it's just get to the front. So I don't know. I mean, you, you can sit there and pick apart some of the KTM guys that maybe don't have the best package this year or the Prilly guys, but I mean, they're there for a reason, you know, they, They've 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 had their run and and are trying to progress in some of their cases. So it's uh, I don't know. I, they, they'll all have their day. Who win, Who wins the championship this year? Who wins the championship? MotoGP. Who wins? I'm going with Mir again. To be honest, I think um, I don't think anybody picked him last year. Yeah. And he's the only guy on the grid that feels like, even though even though he doesn't have that much experience in GP, but he's, he's the guy with the freaking world championship trophy. So yeah. of anybody out there, uh, he's the one that, that should have the most confidence. Okay. All right. Everybody's picking gear. I mean, I've, I'm a MotoGP guys. They've all picked me or everybody Smith yeah. picked him. So, okay. And, uh, and the last one I got to do is for a fan. He goes, what guns do you have at the ranch? What guns, what guns are you using? Oh shit. Um, honestly, if that, if that question was worded as what guns do I not have, it would probably be a lot easier to answer. <laughs> um, I mean, we have everything, man. Uh, but, but at camp we shoot, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to be sponsored by Glock. Uh, they, they send us some pistols, uh, 45s and nines, um, uh, shotgun, lots of shotgunning and uh, 50 cal on the last day. Everybody gets to pull the trigger. So, we uh we have some fun. I'm gonna come down there. I'm gonna do that one day. Uh, honestly, everybody I know has done it. Alan Lane has done it. Bradley Smith is. Everybody's done it. Everybody's been. Everybody who's been on this show has done it. Melissa Paris, Bradley Smith, Alan Lane. So 
I got to come down there. I want you to teach me how to flat track. Even though I've got, uh, I've got two new hips, two replaced hips, I'm still going to flat. I want you to teach me how to flat track and do a little motocross because I'm stupid because I want to do the Dakar. And I want you to teach me all that. And don't laugh at me. I still got that, I still got that Dakar dream, okay? So don't <laughs> laugh at me. Don't, my dream, my fantasies are the, the Dakar and a date with Serena Williams. So don't, don't, you, don't you stop my dreams. Good luck on both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, man, I know you had a lot to go through, and you went through hella high water to make this happen. And from the bottom of my heart, I really cannot thank you enough to put up with me going, hey, man, you said you called me back. So I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you putting up with me. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. The Texas Tornado, Colin Edwards, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching Tales from the Gemini. This is BT, and like I say about this time, Hey. <laughs>